So, uh, anybody in here need your chicken McNuggets? <laughs> Just want to check, make sure we don't have any McNuggets for anybody, but uh, if you need some coffee or whatever, we can, we can help you out with that. But isn't it crazy? I mean, you, you pull up these actual news clips that show, uh, and really that's kind of what news is about much of the time, is taking some of the extremes that can happen within the human heart when they get expressed. And that's kind of what we want to look at today is the state of the human heart and the fact that all around us, everywhere you look, you can see it being lived out in a way that's just not helpful, it's not healthy, it's not good. And if we'd be really honest with ourselves, you can see it every time you look in the mirror. Because you know every single one of us got stuff inside of us that is not actually healthy. We have stuff inside of us that does not help us in our relationships at home, at work, and wherever we're at. And so what we've been talking about, what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, is the fact that we rub shoulders with each other every day. All day long, we're going to rub shoulders with each other. And often, what happens is uh, there are some negative things inside of us, and when they get expressed, we hurt each other. We tear each other down. Sometimes we'll actually use each other and abuse each other. Um, We reject one another, and we devalue each other. And uh, you guys know it. If you look around your workplace, if you look at your school, um, and for some of you, it's, it's your own reality. There are a lot of people today who don't have very much confidence. Uh, They feel really timid and weak inside and insecure. Uh, A lot of people actually, because of rubbing shoulders negatively with others, end up living a life that's full of fear. Um, Some people are just really angry today um, because of the way they've been treated by other people. Um, One thing that gets hit a lot is lonely. Some of you may feel that way today, just really lonely today or unfulfilled. And... um, And what we want to look at and kind of what we touched on last week is that's just not okay with God. That's not what he designed us to to experience. And what's interesting is today, God is actually going to call us to violence. And and sometimes we don't know if he really does, but he does in this sense. The actual word that we're going to look at is God says, I want you to murder. I want you to put to death. So, I mean, this is your chance, guys, right? If you want to just get a little more intense about your faith, today's your chance. But here's what he says is what I want you to put to death and what I want you to murder is anything within you, anything within you that cuts another person down. If there's stuff inside you that when you express it, it hurts somebody else around you, if it tears apart your relationships, then you need to get violent with it and put it to death and get it out of your life. Here's the deal. They come to Jesus and they say, hey, let's say, Jesus, what's it all about? What's the greatest commandment? And if you've been a Christian at all, you know. It's you love God with all you've got. You love him with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. And then you love each other. That's what you do. In fact, what's interesting, you guys, is that's the character of God. The Bible tells us that God is love. So when he's talking to his disciples right before he's going to die on the cross and be raised again, he looks at them and he says, now listen, you guys, you understand this. If you love me, then the way you're going to show that you actually love me is you're going to obey what I command you. And here's my command. You know what it was? Love one another. You got to love one another. Because this is me. And I'm love. And if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be with me, then you need to do what I do. And so last week, what we talked about is, if you are a Christian today, if you're someone who's received Christ, see, that's just your reality. Your reality is that you received Christ and there's a new creation. There's a new heart that he has placed inside of you. Let me just read with it real quick in case you weren't here. 
And if you weren't here last week, you can obviously you can always go to our, our uh, website and listen to the message. You can do an iPod and get your podcast, whatever. Um, but in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it said, Since then, because you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's your reality. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, can I just, if there's anything you should know about me, is I'm good and I'm right and I love people. And so now that you've got me inside of you, you've got to start experiencing this reality too because I want your relationships to work. I want this church to work. I want to transform the community. I want to transform your workplace. I want you to bring in me and all that I am into all of your relationships. Because there's way too much pain out there, you guys, isn't there? There's way too much suffering. There's way too many people who are feeling lonely and rejected and insignificant, and they have no idea how valuable they are to God. And our job as the body of Christ, which is what the church is called, is to say, man, let's love each other and let's get out there and let's love this world. So what we're going to look at today is, is this, is basically what Jesus is going to tell us today is, so there's some things you got to get out of your life because they have nothing to do with me. This is just not the way I operate. And yet uh, you do. <laughs> and so this is what I'm going to ask you to put to death. Okay, so let's read it together. It'll be up on your screen. If you have your Bibles, it's in Colossians uh, chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 5. And here he goes. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And again, put to death, therefore. Every time you see that, what he's doing is say, I'm going to tell you why. Why are you going to put this to death? Don't forget this. Because your life has now been infused with Christ. Jesus Christ and all that he is spiritually living inside you. So put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And then the next verse says, and put on the new self. So here's here's the deal, you guys. Um, So some of us, you you look at that list, you know, and you're sitting there going, hey, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, and you're you're looking around and you're going, man, I I sure hope so-and-so listens to this, though. (laughs) Right? Some of you guys, are, you're, you're nudging your spouse a little bit. You hear that one, you know? Hear that filthy language from the lips thing, you know? Yeah, you, you, so, so we're so like that. We look at these lists, and we always think of everybody else and the stuff they got to work on. Um, so here's the reality. There's not one of us who walked into this room without that stuff in here. And I just want to tell you, when that stuff is in here, eventually it comes out, And when it comes out, when you rub shoulders with these things that we're going to look at today, our relationships suffer. And the world suffers. And what got the greatest news for today is God is saying to you and me, this doesn't have to be your life. It doesn't have to be your life. 
So let me, can I just pray? Let's pray together. And I just want to ask you as well, if you know, even as we went through that list real quickly, that there's stuff inside of you that some of that is true of, I'm just going to ask us for God to come in and help us to put it to death, get it out of us so we can live the life he's really called us to, so that we can love people like he wants us to, so our relationships can be everything that God desires. All right, let's pray together. Father, thanks for caring about us. Thanks, about, thanks for caring about our marriages. Thanks for caring about our families, our, our parent-child relationships. Thanks for caring about the church right here. Lord, we just, we just know right now, there's no question that you've created us to live a life that's full and complete and good. And yet, every one of us just has to admit that we struggle to do that. And so, God, I'm just asking that you might come. You know every person in this room. And the first thing I want to do is I just want to ask that you might rise to their mind and rise up within their heart whatever's on this list that's a part of their life and that you might help them to see why that needs to be changed. And we just pray that you do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, Later on, I'm going to actually go down this list with you at the end of the message. But, But here's the issue. If you're a follower of Christ and these things are in your life, then I know one thing that's true about you. It bugs you. Does it not bug you? Okay, it doesn't bug you. Well, it should bug you. Um, but seriously, if, 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 if you got Christ inside you, you know, and you're an angry person, or you're a slant, you, just, you love to gossip and talk about other people, or you're, you just know you're greedy, or you can't get a hold of the sexual monster inside of you, and Jesus is inside you, there's, there, uh, immediately there's conflict. <laughs> that just, that, because it's frustrating, I mean, I've been walking with Christ for I don't know how many years, and there's still stuff inside of me that I just can't get rid of, and it's, it's so maddening. So what I feel like I really want to talk to you about today is how do you put to death this stuff? And, and one of the things that's really important to understand is that, that it, which is really critical, is we got to make sure that we don't just try to change our behavior. Okay, we don't look at ourselves and go, okay, well, I'm just going to stop doing this or I'm going to start doing this. I mean, if, if you go to the bookstores, you're going to find all these tools for you to try to just make yourself better. <laughs> Anybody tried to make yourself better? I, I mean, it, it can be so frustrating and you just beat yourself up. And then the church pops in and the church comes in and they says, well, I can tell you how to do this. Here's your list of rules that you need to follow, Right. And the church makes this long list and eventually you go, okay, well, I got to do this and then I got to do this. And, and next thing you know, you have this huge weight on side of you and there's this huge burden. It's called legalism. It's called the church saying, just follow these rules. And next thing you know, you're walking around as a Christian going, this is great. I love this. Hey, you guys should have what I have. You know, this is all come to church with me because my life is horrible. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's crazy. You guys, the church has done such a horrible job of helping us to understand what does freedom actually look like? And, and they, we just burden ourselves. That's why Jesus was so angry when he showed up. He looked at all these religious leaders and he says, you guys are putting so many rules on everybody. You're totally stealing away their freedom and they have no way to actually get to me. So how do we do this? How do we actually put this stuff to death and get it out of our life? Well, um, here's the exam- one of the examples. In, in verse seven, um, it said this. You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. So you guys, um, the reason you are who you are today 
is not because of the decisions you're making today. It's because of the decisions you've been making for the last, for me, 45 years. Do you, you know that, right? You're the culmination of your experiences and your decisions that you've made. And they've made you who you are today. In other words, what's been happening is you've been creating a path. You've been creating a way of life. And every single one of us does it. You have done behaviors repeatedly over and over and over again. And because of that, now it becomes second nature to do certain things. And that can be really frustrating. Now, now here's the other reality. When you were born, you entered into a family and especially into parents who had already developed a path that they've been walking on for years, right? And so what they did is they grabbed your hand and without even meaning to, they walked you down a path. And some of us develop behaviors and patterns and this is just who I am and it's because of actually the path that was laid before me. Moms and dads, I mean, those of us, my kids are five, seven, nine. You know what I'm doing? Man, it scares the bejeebies out of me. I am creating paths for my children. They're developing patterns already and behaviors that are going to make them who they are down the road. But then as soon as we get old enough and we can make our own decisions, you know, we get teenagers and then we totally jump off that path, right? <laughs> we just, we bag mom and dad's path completely and we go out in the wild, you know, where there is no path and we love that. And then we forge kind of our own paths. Well, you guys, this is what we need to start tackling is the reality that you have become something by a repeated behavior over and over again. So how are you going to stop doing that? How are you going to put that to death? How are you going to get out of a path and get onto a new one? Okay, so here you go. I got four things for you. Here's the first thing you need to do. If you want to put to death, let's look at the list again. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, and rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. If these are things a part of your life and you don't want them to be, what do you do? Number one is this. You got to set your heart and your mind on things above. This is what we talked about last week. You got to set your heart and your mind on things above. Here's what we need, you guys. What God has said is when you receive me, here's because here, this is so critical to understand if you're, if you're pursuing Christ, wondering what Christianity is about, or if you're a follower of Jesus. The behavior that we live, that he wants us to live, can only happen and is only supposed to happen because we have been given a new desire to actually do it. What the Bible tells us is that you actually get a new heart. And now for the first time, you can actually want it. I've said this so many times here. After I received Christ, I found out it's not that I can't sin. I still can and actually be pretty good at it. I just can't enjoy it anymore. <laughs> Anybody know that that's like? Where did that come from? Where did that, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I, I want to share a story. In our small group last week, we have a young gal who's been coming here. She moved here and she's been here for about a year. And she was just sharing with us how Jesus has really started to make, her, make himself real to her. And so she went back to her home recently and she hopped in there and immediately her friends wanted to do all the old stuff that they were doing. And so she was just like, and, and one of the things they did when they were like 12 and 13 is grab's mom, grab mom's car and just take off and drive. So she gets home and go, hey, let's grab mom's car. And she sat there and she said, 
I don't want to. Well, where'd that come from? I, it's not that, oh man, I really want to, but I, no, I don't want to. You, you guys, one of the greatest experiences of receiving Christ into your life is that he actually starts to give you the desire to want to do what is right. And I just want to say, man, to try to do what is right without a supernatural power inside of you strengthening you to even desire it is really, really hard. And it's laborious. And what the Bible tells us is, don't even try that. Don't get caught up in trying to make yourself better by doing the things that he wants you to do. Actually receive Christ into your heart because the Bible says then you'll be a new creation. The old will go away and he will start to come in. And so what, one of the first things you got to do right now if you're a follower of Christ and there's sexual immorality and slander and anger and greed in your life and you're lying at work and all that kind of, the first thing you got to do is you got to set your heart back up and you got to set your mind back up and you got to go, wait a second, I got a new heart. And you got to just say, I don't want this anymore. You got to remember who you are, that Christ is living within you. And that's your new reality. Let me read one other verse for you. We'll put it up here on the screen. It says Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says this. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. In other words, if you're living these things, then the reason we live them is because our mind and our heart actually gets, and if you remember our definition last week, it means you seek after it to possess it. And what we talked about, you guys, you can't walk out of your house today. You don't even have to walk out of your house. You can't open up the internet. You can't walk outside. You can't see a billboard. You can't watch TV without something inside you, all around you, saying, you need to live for yourself. You need more. You need this. I mean, you watch a movie, right? It's five minutes. He's found the hot baby. They're in bed. They're having sex. This is the way. You see that all the time. So without even wanting to, your mind gets set on that. In our heart, our earthly nature wants it. We just do. We're bent that way. So what you got to do, the very next thing he says, though, is but, though, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you're here last week, I'm just going to tell you the same thing. This is just another place. You guys, the only hope that we have of actually living a life of love. The only hope that we have of living a life that honors God and the only hope we have of living a life where we're completely free, according to the scripture, is the first thing you gotta do is you gotta take some time and you gotta set your mind on it. It's gonna be, as one guy said, he said, no one drifts towards holiness. You guys catch that? You don't just wake up in the morning and go, oh, I just feel like being a wonderful person today. You just, we just, we know. You know what you drift toward? You drift towards yourself always. And so what you got to do is you got to say, no, I'm going to set my mind. And we talked about this last week, again, that I just, I don't know any other way than somehow to read his word. You guys, it is living and active. And when you read it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, that his word is useful. It's, it's God-breathed, it's actually living and alive, and it's useful for correcting, for rebuking, for teaching, and for training in everything that's right. 
In other words, what can happen when you read his word to you, the first thing that can happen is you'll be rebuked. And what that means is, is as soon as you start to get off the path that God has for you and you go back to your old path, the scripture will help you to say, hey, dude, that's, that's not it, man. You'll get rebuked. You'll say, no. It's useful for correcting, which means getting you back on the path. It's useful for teaching. Some of you guys don't know what the path is. And when you read his word, it shows you what it is it teaches you. And then the most important one is then it says it's useful for training. See, because that's what we need. Isn't that what we're doing as parents right now? What are you doing as a parent? You are working to train your child by discipline and by teaching and all this kind of stuff so that they'll walk in a way that's good for them, that's a blessing to society, so they'll know God. You train them. Well, are you training yourself? You've got to set your mind and your heart. And the other thing is that, which we talked about, you guys, is, man, we need each other. We need each other. Every day, the Bible says, you should daily, you should be encouraging each other. We got to get together, and we've got to encourage each other and support each other and love each other. And so here at K2, we have uh, continue the conversation groups. We have life together groups. Ours meets on, on Sunday night. They are all over the valley every night of the week. I just want to say, man, if you're out there by yourself, that's going to be really, really hard to set your heart. You're here this morning, and hopefully today will help set your heart and your mind on him. But you're going to walk out of here, and everything you face is going to drag you away from him. So if we're going to live the way, the first thing you got to do is, you know what? I need to set my heart and my mind on him. Okay? Second thing, what do you got to do? Number two is you got to confess when you do it. When you fall off the path, and you get into your old ways, the first thing you got to do, you guys, is you got to confess it. And I want to tell you, you got to confess it quickly. You got to confess it quickly. You know what spiritual um, immaturity is this? Spiritual immaturity is when you do something that's not what God wants you to do, and you run away from him. Because you think, that, and you buy the lie that if you have lived in a way that God doesn't want you to live, that he is angry at you, that he is upset with you, and he's ready to take you down. And so what you do is you go, man, I'm not going to church. I, I talked with a guy just recently who was really starting to struggle. And the first thing he did is he stopped reading his Bible. The second thing he did is he stopped coming to church. Because if this is what's wrong, if I'm bad and God's angry at me, you guys, that's a lie. You have already died. He's already forgiven you. So spiritual maturity is when you fall and when you do something that you know displeases God, you actually run to him. You run to him. Why? Because he says, if you'll confess your sins, I will be faithful and just to what? To forgive them and to cleanse them. To cleanse them. And for some of you right now, you're an angry person. And you know, man, it is hurting your relationships and you can't get a hold of it. And I'm telling you, you might think that God's angry at you. No, man, you need to confess your anger to God so he can just envelop you and just wash you free from it. Don't run away from him. Run to him. If you get, I'm, okay, this is so true. If you'll get your stuff out into the light and let God touch it, he can change your life. Our lives don't change when we hide it and when we keep it in the dark. I'll tell you, here's, here you want to get really scary and really powerful. 
Confess it to another human being. Confess it to another human being. And if you want the power to break of the stuff that's destroying your life, tell another person what you're really about. I'll never forget, man. There's stuff in my life there was no way I was ever going to tell anybody, ever. And I'll I'll never forget sitting in a service like this and the guy saying, you know what you got to do, man? You got to tell another person. Now, here, let me just side note on that. You got to be really careful who you tell. (laughs) Seriously, man. There are way too many judgmental Christians. There are way too many Christians who think they're better than everybody else. Run from them. Seriously, if you're here, go to another church. You, you scare me, okay? Seriously, because any Christian who thinks they're wonderful and as soon as you share their stuff with you and they start, oh man. What you want to find is a, a follower of Christ who knows how sinful they are and who is so grateful for how much Jesus has loved them. I've told people, my life is one big pile of mercy. That's all I am. So what am I going to give you? If I give you anything else, woe to me when I face Jesus. But I tell you, if you know somebody like that, oh my gosh, it'll be the scariest thing you've ever done in your life. And I want to tell you, as soon as you expose it, the power of darkness dies. Darkness cannot reign in the light. And some of you need to get in the light because it's killing you. And you need to kill it before it kills all your relationships. And one of the ways you do it is you confess it. Here's the second thing you got to do is after you confess it, then you got to receive it. You guys, and what you got to receive is you have to receive his forgiveness. I'm telling you, there have been things that I've done as a sincere follower of Christ that are so disgusting and so against him that immediately uh, there's just no way that he can love me. Anybody else been there? Oh, you're pretty bold to raise your hand. Um, but here's the deal. When you get into that place and you're down in the mud, and some of you are right there right now, you are so down in the mud. Somebody asked Jesus, they said, well, what's the work that we have to do? And how, well, you know how Jesus responded to him? The work of God is to believe. See, the work of God is not a bunch of rules at church. The work of God is to believe. And you know what you got to believe? If you're caught in sin is you need to believe that how many of them were in Jesus Christ when he died? How many? All of them. All of them. Sometimes when I meet with people, man, and they're totally stuck in their stuff, I, I, I like to actually try to make, it's pretty, you know, it's an intense moment, so I try to make it a little more light, and I'll just look at them kind of sarcastically and go, oh my gosh, you're right, that was the one can't believe you did it. That's the one that Jesus did. That was the one that was, in, was not in his body on the cross. Okay. It was great. You were doing great till that one. Now he's finally upset with you and you're toast. Do you guys understand how ludicrous that is? Seriously, if you're, if you're not a Christian, it might be like, man, isn't that true? No, it's not true. See, because when Christ was on the cross, all the sin of the world, everything, the most disgusting stuff you'll never let anybody know about you, Jesus took inside of him. And so when you buy the lie to think there's no way he could forgive me, you are missing out on the love that he displayed for you. 
So, so you got to set your mind and your heart. You got to remember, you got to have the new heart. And then when you go outside of that, you got to confess it to God so he'll con- totally, totally receive his forgiveness. And that's the next part. You got to believe that Jesus died for everything. I have been so ashamed. And I just thought, man, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. And yet I fought to believe what is true about me. What did it say last week? You have died. You have been risen. It's a done deal. And you got to fight to believe that. If you want to change your behavior, it isn't going off and trying to do new things. The real issue is your heart. That's where your behavior comes from. And you got to let Jesus get in there and love that wounded, broken, messed up, screwed up heart and receive his forgiveness. And then the last thing you got to do is you got to repent. And this is uh, where most of us blow it, okay? Most of you who are Christians, who really do want to live the way God wants you to live, I think you do remember that Jesus died for you, and I think you probably even confess your sins every once in a while, and you probably even receive his forgiveness. But one guy, one guy put it like this, because you guys know what repent means, right? It means you've been walking in this type of behavior with this type of heart, and repent means no more, and you literally do a 180, and you start walking in this direction. And most of us, what we do is we go, oh, that's, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Uh, Please forgive me. And yes, thank you for your forgiveness. And then we stay right here. You know, this is what we, you guys, uh, can I just, this is what we do with pornography all the time. See, See, with pornography, what we do is we totally mess with it and we get sucked into it and then we hate it. And we feel a bunch of shame and embarrassment about it. So then you confess your sin to God and he forgives you. And then, what do you do with your computer, though? Nothing. Can I, can I just tell you, man? You guys, every one of you who struggles with this issue, you've got to get some software on there to cover that thing. See, it's, 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 we just do that, man. Here at K2, it's like we've got it. You've got to put it on. You guys ever seen the software that's on there, too? This is so, so, so crazy. Anybody have Macs? How many of you guys have Macs? Okay, have you seen the software? If you put protective stuff so you can't get to sexual pornography on your computer, what shows up? Oh, apparently none of you have the software. <laughs> Caught you. Now, this is, this is so funny to me, man. It's so, it's so embarrassing. You know what they put on there? They put a little teddy bear. And he goes like this. Is that the most ludicrous? I'm like, man, where's the guy with the shield and the sword saying, no way. It's not, no, they put a little teddy bear who covers his eyes. It's just, it's, it's just, it's hideous. But I, I, I'm telling you though, here's the deal. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to speak real hard at you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know you love him, and I know you want to do what's right. And you're a man. And you're visual like every man is. And you are drawn to the stuff every single day. And some of you dabble with it all the time. One guy, you know what he said? He goes, instead of putting our sin to death, you know what we do? Is we train it. We try to train it like a pet. So in other words, we say, well, I don't really need to put this to death. I'll just control it. I can do this, right? It's the same thing we do with greed. You know, I know I need more and I need more. And, and, and so, you know, but we, just, we, we don't put it to death. You know, like what we do is we try to train it. And so, we, you know, it's like some of you have never put a budget together. You guys, you just spend money and you spend money and you want more and more. And the credit card comes and you're like, oh my gosh, how did this happen? And yet you've never put a budget together to know why it happened. You've never maybe worked with somebody else who has accountability, who can see what you spend things on. See, we don't actually repent. 
We don't like the sin, but we still want it right next to us. I just want to tell you guys, you need to do, well, some of you need to go home today. You need to walk right out of here. And if you're married, you need to go to your spouse and you say, okay, let's go on my computer right now. We're buying this stuff and we're going to put it on and you have the password. Not me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, gals. Can I just confess on, the, on, on behalf of men? We're men. And it's hard. And if you're one of the two men that don't struggle, God bless you. You know, but here's the reality. Put it to death. You, you, you got to kill it. You can't keep playing with it and then want the full power and blessing of God and the full sexual life in your marriage. You can't. You got to put it to death. If greed is your issue, you guys, you got to put it to death. That's why some people take credit cards and they actually cut them up and they just say, I can't do it anymore because I can't control it. Others of us hate it every time the bill comes, but we don't do anything about it. We just keep spending. So, so repentance is literally saying, whatever you have done, you got to turn and you got to do something different. This week, it was so funny. I was meeting with some guys on uh, Wednesday night and we were talking about um, the good old rock and roll days of the 80s. Any other 80s children out there? So, um, I mean, just 70s and 80s, it was great music. And we actually started being honest with each other. And I told them, uh, one of the el- my first albums was uh, Peaches and Herb. And... Uh, <laughs> Gained a lot of respect on that one. You guys remember that? Reunited and it feels so good. You know, yeah. Uh, shake your groove thing, all that good stuff. Um, so we shared with each other that we, we all had this music. And I told them that that was right. I was 19 when I really gave my life to Christ. And this is when rock and roll was of the devil. Uh, and so what they would tell you is that you had to get rid of all your rock and roll music. And I was in a ser- service one time and I did it. I literally had all oh, a stack of some of the most classic stuff there is, and I threw it all away. I know, I bought most of it back, so we're okay. <laughs> so we're okay. But, but what's interesting is when I look back at that, I go, that seems so ludicrous. But you know what? I needed to do it. You know why? Because my life before Christ was so sexual and so full of behavior that was outside of God's ways. And you guys know how powerful music is, right? I would listen to that music and all those desires. You want to talk about getting evil desires out of your heart? Those put them in me. And every time I'd listen to them, it would take me back to my old life. So I literally, for me in that moment to repent and to put to death the stuff that was not of God, I literally had to put it to death. Some of you got some stuff you need to walk out of here and you need to say no more and you need to be violent with it. You need to quit dabbling with it and quit playing with it because eventually it will grow and destroy your life. Seriously. It's not a game. And it hurts everybody around you. And God says, if Jesus is inside of you, no more. Put it to death. Last one. Let me hit this one before we go into this list. Um, Let me just tell you, uh, and this is one we don't really like a whole lot, but it's true, so I'm going to share it with you. That's my job. Um, Verse 6 says this. When he says, "Get get rid of all these things, and then he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You know what? We don't really like that picture of Jesus. You know, we like to do the, say, like, home, home makeover Jesus, you know? 
One guy said, we like the, like the Easter bunny Jesus, you know, who just kind of hops into your life and is all happy and just, you know, light and blue and green. And he just, we like the Jesus who loves us, who's kind and patient and all that kind of stuff. And it's true. He is patient and kind and gentle and loving and long suffering. He's full of mercy. Thank God. He's full of grace and he loves you. But now think about this. What kind of God would he be if he reveals everything that's good and everything that's right and everything that's loving and he reflects his character to us? And then when we say we don't care, God, and we do everything that's against what he is that destroys our own heart and hurts all the people around us, do you really want a God who sits over here and goes, oh, that's okay? (laughs) You You know, some of you parent that way right? Your kids, they just, they're just all over the place and you don't, you don't know how to love them with discipline. And you guys, you just need to know that God is not a God who looks at you and says, Hey, I know you're screwing up everybody. Then that's okay with me. It's not. He hates it. He literally just says, it's not okay with me. And we want a God like that. Now here's what's interesting is his wrath comes in two different ways. Sometimes his wrath is passive. It's passive. You'll find this in the scripture. You know what God says? It's, it's like he literally looks, looks at you and he just says, you know what, you go ahead and do whatever you want to do. So you don't want to follow my ways and you want to follow these other ways? It's like God just says, go ahead. Oh, man. There's nothing more painful than having to come to the end of your sin. You ever parent like that? You know, sometime with Mariah, man, you know, she just, she wants candy and ice cream and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes I just want to go, okay, here's the deal. You can, you just keep eating, you know? In fact, eat that whole half gallon of ice cream. Just go for it and see what happens. You know why? Because if Mariah does that, because she's kind of lactose intolerant, she's going to, she's going to get sick and it's going to be a horrible experience for her. You ever parent like that? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just let your kids experience. You know, some people just say, they'll do that. With, I know people whose parents did that with alcohol. Just drink. Drink to the point. Go for it. Just, in my, just get trashed and see how much it feels. You know what God says? He sometimes, his wrath is passive. And he says, literally, seriously, you don't want to follow me? You want to go down that path? Okay, go ahead. And literally, hell breaks loose. Now, the reason he lets you go down that is so you'll come back to him. But sometimes, you guys, Scripture's really clear is his wrath is actually active. And sometimes God finally gets to the end of his rope and he just says, no more. No more. You're causing too much pain. You're causing too much destruction. And he will pour out his wrath. And if you ever wonder what God's wrath looks like, just look at Jesus on the cross. That's what he feels about pain, about sin. And this is where I want to go, thank you, God, for Jesus. Because he is going to punish sin. He is. Okay, I just want to make sure if you face Jesus, if you came to K2 and you face Jesus and go, what? I didn't know. Now you know. (laughs) He will punish your sin. So here's a question. Do you want the sin in you? Or do you want your sin in Christ? This is the best news in the whole world. That when Jesus Christ died for us, 
my sin, he absorbed it. And he has already received the wrath that is due me. And I'm free. And so, the wrath of God's coming because of this behavior. Now, you know how it comes as a, as a father, for those of us who are Christians, this is how it comes. It comes to us in gentleness. Well, it comes, it can be pretty, pretty hard, but it's, oh, it's never condemnation. It is always just to discipline us and bring us back. Always to bring us back. He loves you. You're his child. And he may pour his wrath on you, but it will be to bring you home. So here's how we're going to close our service. We'd love for you just to, to um, grab a, a three-by-five card that's sitting there with you. Go ahead and grab one of those. Grab a pen. Hopefully you got one of those things as we go through. And I am just going to really quickly, <clears throat> I'm going to go down this list with you. And I want you to write down uh, what, the, what this issue is that God doesn't want you to be in. And then just write from one to five. You're just going to kind of rate yourself. How are you doing on these? We're going to go really quick, okay? So just, just hold on here with me. Number one. The thing that you need to put to death is sexual sin. Sexual immorality is any sexual activity that's outside of marriage. Anything you're involved in that's outside of marriage. And this hurts people because you guys in so many different ways. Sexual promiscuity, this whole sexually transmitted disease issue, um, it completely dishonors marriage. Obviously, if it's within marriage, it completely destroys the marriage. It, it, it affects it, but it also totally hurts marriage before it. All of you who are not married... Sexual activity outside of marriage before it causes major struggles in marriage. And so all sexual activity outside of marriage, guys, says, you know what? You got to put that to death. All pornography, guys, put it to death. Okay, so how are you doing? One to five. One, no big deal. Five, Jesus help me. All right, here we go. Number two, evil desires. This is a huge one. It's so overarching that I can't really get at everything. But, but at the core, can I just tell you what's at the core of evil? It's yourself. When Satan was thrown out of heaven, you know why? It's because he wanted everything to be about him. You want to mess up everything in this world? Think about yourself. Uh, so that's just, let's, it's much broader than that in context. But let me just say, right now, who do you think about? Who do you live for? Are you all about you, number one? You're going to do anything you need to do. If that's you, then that's, I think that's the core of having an evil desire. How are you doing? One, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm Mother Teresa, five, okay, help me. Number three, greed. Greed, this word literally means to crave more. And it says it's idolatry. You know why it's idolatry? Because when you're filled with greed, then that object that you need becomes what you end up living for instead of God. You spend your time, you spend your energy, you spend your resources because you got to have that. And next thing you know, God's not at the center of your life anymore. That's called idolatry. And you know how this hurts people? Man, greedy people, they do two things. Number one, they'll run over people, right? I mean, we run over people to get what we got to have, or we totally forget people. Can I, maybe dad's on this one as well. You're so, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to have this, that you totally forget the people that you say you love. It's just greed is not the way of God, okay? Man, Je Jesus Christ is the most generous, giving person, and if he's living inside of you, greed has no place. One, okay, one, I'm good, Totally cool. I am really generous. Number five, I'm all about me. Number four, anger and rage. Anger and rage. Man, I tell you, you know, this is, this is one as well, you guys. When we espouse our words, talk about cutting each other down. Nothing cuts each other down more 
than angry words towards another person. And rage, it just is not of God. This is where he is gentle and he is kind and he is patient. And so if, if you are controlled right now, if you find yourself quick to get angry, if you need your chicken McNuggets and you'll just do whatever he has, it's just, if, if that's you, you just need to know that's not Christ. One to five. The last one, and then the next one is malice. And this is when, then, when the anger inside of you actually moves to now, I actually want to harm you. When you actually get to a place, and some of you may be there, where you've said, I'm actually going to hurt you. I'm going to somehow take you down. And if that is inside of you, you guys, you know, Christ, Christ, never. His discipline, again, is always to bring somebody up. It's never to destroy. The next one we've talked a lot about already is slander. And again, slander, you, some of you, you just, you, you, you do, you talk about people behind their backs all the time. And, the, and of course, we got the Christian way of slander. Oh, let's pray for this person. You know, I just, I just, I just need to tell you about so-and-so and it's because we really, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's just horrible. We're, we're the worst. And so right now, man, if you find yourself, the way that you can make yourself up and the way you can bring somebody down is to talk about them and slander them and make them look bad. How are you doing on that? That is not of Christ. Next one is the one that none of us think matters, and that's filthy language. I, I, I just think it's so interesting in there because we're all sitting here going, oh, come on. You know, this is so culturally accepted. And it's so funny because I literally, I just wonder though if Christ was with us. Because I get this as a pastor. You guys, I'll go all golfing, right? And nobody knows what I do. And we're having a great time. And guys are out there, you know, just spewing all over. Fifth hole comes along. They go, hey, so what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm actually a pastor. Oh. And they all of a sudden become really nice. Oh, God darn it. You know, stuff like that starts to happen. It's just... And so I just say, well, why is that? Because apparently, even in people's nature, they know that that's not of God. And I thought, well, why does filthy language hurt other people? Well, one of the things it does is when we spew that out, the other person takes it in and now becomes a part of their thoughts and a part of their heart. It's never building somebody up. It's just, it's, it's not of God. And so it's not clean, it's not helpful. And the last one is lying. How are you doing on that? And this is the one where, man, all of us, probably really struggle with this somehow. And it's always the little ones, right, that nobody's thinking about. Nobody knows that I fudge the numbers at work and nobody knows that one little, you know, just kind of twist that a little bit. Here's the insidious thing about lying is you'll start, you'll do it and it works. So then you'll try it again and it works. And the next thing you know, man, you can put out a whole false thing that's not even true. And I want to tell you, nothing will break a relationship more than that, won't it? Because when, when, when somebody has not been truthful with you, then the trust factor just suffers with that. And so, man, I tell you, do you really want your workplace to find out what you've been doing? Have, in this economy, have the chance of losing your job? I mean, do, you, do you really want to break trust with your children? And whoever it is, just, God just says, man, I, that's not me. It's, we, right, we all tell our kids that. It's always better to tell the truth. And then when we're faced with a hard situation, we struggle with it. So there you go. Now here's what we're going to do. Band's up here. And uh, uh, that's all I got. Is there another one? You got eight? We're good. So here's what we're going to do. The band's going to start off uh, with amazing grace for us. And we have the cross here. And what he said is what you need to do is you need to put this to death. How are you going to do this, you guys? I'm telling you right now. This stuff that we just went over is killing you, even if it's subtly doing it. It's killing 
your relationships. And so he says, then kill it. And how do you do it? You give it back to Christ who died for you. And you confess it to him right now and you get it out in the open and let him forgive you and cleanse you. So as we sing this, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a pretty good guy like me. I'm hoping when you look at that card that God has shown you this thing right here has got to go. It's got to go. And when you walk down here, lay it in a basket where Jesus died for and you remember, I've died to this and I'm putting it to death right now. I'm murdering it. I'm going to get violent with it. No more. And I'm turning around and I'm walking out of this place. I walked in with this stuff and I'm walking out totally free from it. And I'm going to be a different man. I'm going to be a different woman. And I'm going to bless those around me from this day forward.